0: everybody and welcome to episode 55 of two five and ten this kind of interesting episode a couple of things happened throughout the week not too sure where to start but someone got paid a whole lot of money so i guess we'll start there it's benny's buddy across the river so nico here and the new jersey devils agreed to a seven-year 7.25 aav for a total of 50.75 million dollars the kid got paid, this is the last year of his entry level before he goes into the big boy money next year. Benny, what do you think about your boy across the river?
1: Uh, I mean, first, I'm just surprised they have that much money lying around since they don't get any uh, gate revenue from ticket sales. Um, the the main thing for me is that they're betting on he he's sure to approve over time because they're obviously not paying for what he's done. Uh, he's still a young guy, he's... Uh, going to be to 21 in january his first two years in the league 52 points in 82 games 47 points in 69 games so pretty solid top six production but they signed into a long-term deal for a seven and a quarter million dollars a year on a cap is kind of putting faith in a young center to take that next step forward especially um when you consider the risk involved, because if he doesn't develop any further than what he is now, he's going to be overpaid at $7.25 million. Um, So they're obviously banking on the cap to continue to rise a little bit and his play to improve. Um, and in the meantime, he guarantees himself basically $51 million. So he's set with that guaranteed money. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are because kind of buying out free agency years, unrestricted free agency years before the ELC is even burned up is I think more of a risk for the team than the player. The player banks that money. Uh, it's just you got to hope that he meets his potential as the former first overall pick.
0: I agree with you. I'm a little interested to see how it plays out. I, I do think he share is going to be in this league a top two centerman, whether it's the first line or a second line. I know a lot of places they go deep down the middle, so I don't think he's going to have problems stepping into that role. But one question that I have is, is 7.5 or 7.25 the normal for currently just an average of 55 points in two years? Like if that's the normal, be. like, like, like where's the league going just in general as, as a whole. And another thing, at least nervousness I would have would be, can he do it without Taylor Hall? Because I, I think everyone can agree that Hall's gone either this season or at the end of the year. So with that, I'm just curious to see, did they sign this deal too soon? Another thing is, is this going to cause friction in a couple of years when Jack Hughes goes to sign? Because I tell you what, I don't think Jack Hughes is signing for 7.25, might be closer to 10.25. I, I just think that going through it this soon gives you a secure salary cap, which obviously as a GM you would love to have. And it's great because if this kid blossoms, 7.25 can be a steal. But like you said, if he doesn't end up becoming that player that they want him to be, they're in it for the long haul, and a buyout just isn't going to be an easy thing. And I get it. He's 21. I don't think they're going to buy him out. But if you're paying someone 7.25 and they're only putting up 50 points a year, I think at some point it's going to be a little a little nasty there i I think he's gonna feel some heat from whether it's the fans or the coaching staff or the management team there so for his sake i hope it works out i I do think it'll work out i'm just throwing out some things that on the other end they might have to deal with at some point so interesting that they signed this early in the season too already for the next seven years going forward
1: yeah i mean easy negotiation for the devils and the fans there um i mean it's The positives for the Devils as an organization is you know what kind of his base production is going to be. He's going to give you 20 goals, 30 assists, or 50 points. And let's say that's all he ever maxes out to be. A 60-point player, yeah, he's going to be a little overpaid at 7.25 over the length of that deal, but it's not something that's going to crater your salary cap maneuverability and flexibility. So while they do take on a little bit of risk of overpaying for him, I don't think it's something that is going to hinder them long-term. Uh, uh, the thing for me is his cap hit is going to keep him at just under 9% of the team's uh, current cap situation. So you avoid having to pay 10%, 15%, like some teams are already doing with uh, their young RFAs, 20% of their salary cap with this extension. And the other thing is I was looking at doing a kind of a deep dive into some of his advanced stats Um, And I was looking at his points per 60 minutes from 2017-18, which was his only full 82-game season in the league. A 1,000 minutes minimum in 5-on-5 hockey. His rate is 65th best in the league, which puts him in the same class as Vlad Tarasenko, Cam Atkinson, Andrew Shaw, and just ahead of uh, Sean Couturier, Alex Tuck, and Logan Couture. So not bad company to be in. They're obviously expecting more. And if he develops into a tough flight like, 1a center to go with hughes 7.25 in a year or two is going to be a freaking bargain and that's
0: what they're making on here yeah and and one last thing before we go somewhere else is this sets them up for the future because like you said if it's a bargain at 7.25 then you start laying that groundwork for the future of well you know nico only makes x amount of dollars why should you make more yep so I think that Ray Shiro is definitely trying to build something here in New Jersey. Obviously not the start that they wanted. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald now being an assistant coach primarily as opposed to the assistant GM. But it, granted, in his first game there, uh, they end up getting the W and they got back-to-back wins. So uh, maybe whatever was wrong is now finally right. And we will see where the boys in red end up going this year. Yeah,
1: Trying to avoid a Toronto situation where Marner signs and then uh, Matthew signs and then Marner wants equal and more to him at overpaid, slightly overpaid for their point of their career. So, like, good point you brought up. That kind of solves that issue when it comes to signing Hughes long-term.
0: Yeah, so we, we will see what the boys have in store. Uh, going to the Central Division, our boys, who we called at the beginning of the year that were going to be an absolute dumpster fire, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, having a little bit of friction this week, huh, Benny? Yeah, so
1: they're off to a very, very poor start. Uh, they had a players-only meeting. They're currently in last place in essential, 2-6-0, only four points, a minus-14 goal differential. Uh, so the players called, the players-only meeting. Uh, Captain uh, Miko Koivu stood up and pretty much, according to reports, when the doors are closed, you can hear him and several other veterans In our room, kind of ripping into the the team or their teammates, or kind of what how their season has started off. The thing for me that I found interesting was not that they had a players-only meeting after such a poor start. That the quote that I heard from Jason Zucker, where he said after when he was talking to the media after the meeting, he said, "quote." I think more than a players-only meeting, is going to have to jumpstart us, to be honest. It's going to be each individual guy from Coach Bruce on down. Bruce has got to be better. We have got to be better. That's it. I thought it was interesting that he had to highlight that Bruce, as the coach, needs to be better, especially since he's producing nothing. And I'm talking about Jason Zucker on that contract extension that he signed. So uh, what are your thoughts on the meeting, the quote, anything else?
0: I think it's normalcy. I mean, he came out, he said Bruce, and then after he had, he went and he apologized to Bruce because he wasn't trying to call him out specifically. I think he was just trying to make a point. Uh, it's one of those things where, as a team, you have to play better. As a coaching staff, you have to coach better. I mean, you can't really blame Bill Guerin here in this scenario. He's kind of has the team that he inherited when he took the job after they fired Fenton. Yeah, But it's just one of those things of, you know, it's the beginning of the year. You had a long summer. You want to come in. You want to play. Shit isn't working. And obviously, tensions are going to flare. And the worst part for them is they're in that central division, and there are no layups. There are no easy nights. Every one of those teams is coming to win because they know how big division games are there. So for them, I, I understand the frustration. And sometimes things aren't gelling I don't know man I I just don't see that situation getting any better I do see someone having to be moved and interesting that it's coming from Zucker because after those comments over the summer about you know whether he would move or wouldn't move due to Fenton putting it out there I know it's a different GM it's just funny that he's now the guy who is getting the spotlight for a comment so we'll see what happens there what do you think about it do you
1: think Minnesota is in a similar boat to the Rangers' two trade deadlines ago where they had a core group of guys and some complimentary players that had some success together, obviously not as much as the Rangers had with that group when they made it all the way to like a final, but this is a team that's made the playoffs, they've been around, they've been together for a while now. Do you think they're in that position where Bill Guerin's looking at this and saying, I'll, I was going to give it the first few months of the season to see if this team which still has some talent on it, can make a run for the playoffs. But do you think he's now looking at it where he's going to start trying to sell off what he can, which is going to be a little difficult with the money that's owed? Parise's owed 7.5 for, until 2025. He just signed Zucker long-term. Uh, Victor Rask is overpaid. I don't think anybody's going to want to trade assets for him. They just signed Jared Spurgeon at 30 years old to a massive long-term extension, and that doesn't even take in until next year. Sutter, Dumba, like, do you think they're approaching the stage where they have to blow it up? And do you think they can with those
0: contracts? I think they could blow it up, but at the same time, I don't think the return's going to be what they want it to be. I I think Mm -hmm. they're going to have to eat the bullet a little bit on certain contracts if he does indeed want to move them. But if he can go through and whether he wants to, trade them away for potential assets and picks and or prospects and then rebuild through the draft. Or if he's just trying to maybe next summer, bring in some big time free agents. Cause I do think people will go and play in Minnesota. I, I do believe that yeah. people will go there. So it's just one of those things as to which way he deems would be the easiest or best for the organization. I, I think that's the hardest part, but those names you just brought out Dumba um, Jesus Christ, Suter, Parise. I, it's hard to move guys that are already a little bit older. And then, you, like you said, the Spurgeon contract at 30. Could you get something for Matt Dumba? Absolutely. Could you get something for Spurgeon? Yeah. I think it's when you throw in the Parise and Sutter as to how much money they're owed and still term in currently how little they're producing i think that's when you're really going to have to eat a bullet like just bite the bullet and make the trade and just move on from there if that's what you really want to do
1: yeah I, th- I think the guy that we got the biggest return is the one that might be the hardest to trade in terms of removing him from the organization and that's miko Koyvo team captain he's been there forever uh but he's a free agent after the year so a team training form has no long-term cap commitments to worry about he's only at 5.5 so the deadline you'll probably have to take on like two and a half, half 2.6 million dollars onto your cap um and he's somebody that you can probably slide into anywhere in your top nine play center play wing and help you out on special teams as well so i think him and probably uh brodine is the two guys that you can probably look for to get the biggest return but yeah if they're going to try and move a guy like parisi or uh sutter or Let's say stall as well. They're going to have to either eat some money or take lesser prospects and return. And I don't know if that defeats the purpose of trying to move them anyway.
0: Yeah, agreed. Especially when you're trying to rebuild a team. So they're definitely going to have to sit down and figure it out as to what it is or what it isn't. They're going to have to figure that out in the room and go from there.
1: Yeah, so I know we just talked about two kind of disappointments the Devils uh, and the Minnesota Wild. I kind of sense we have a little bit of a sample size to work with now most teams have played about 10 games except for the rangers who played basically one game so far um i kind of want to get your thoughts on either individual players or players or teams that have been a surprise either in a good for a good way or disappointments in a bad way whether you're expecting more out of a team or this player who's had a slow start for the year
0: um I'll, I'll start right where i i thought they would be uh Edmonton in that Pacific division. I thought they were going to be a playoff team this year. Currently first in that Pacific, 7 1 1 with 15 points. Uh, yet again, though, there's one thing that still scares me. It's that goal differential. Uh, 31 goals for 21 against. We knew that goaltending was definitely going to be an issue there. Currently up 10. Are they able to withstand it? I hope so. James Nail off to a fantastic start in his new place. Uh, Connor McDavid, the same thing. Uh, Also, just sticking with that Pacific, uh, Vancouver and Anaheim. uh, Also, on the upswing, Vancouver only threw eight games, five and three with ten points, plus eight goal differential. Uh, Thatcher Demko coming alive. I said that over the summer, but Benny said, no, Markstrom sucks. And then uh, you look at Anaheim (laughs) over there, nine games played, six and three, Uh, plus seven goal differential. Anaheim was one of our sleeper teams, so I don't know if – this is what we expected, or if this is kind of what we hoped for. So uh, I'll leave that where it is. Uh, Dallas Stars, though. youch what a start there. Uh, not looking too good in Dallas. Uh, hopefully they can rate the ship 2-7-1, minus 10 gold differential. And then uh, one other team that I thought was going to be on the the downswing, but currently okay, is the Winnipeg Jets, 5-5. Five and five. Uh, One thing, though, if you look at it, Minus five goal differential. So they definitely need some help on that backside. Still waiting to hear about the big buff situation. So uh, definitely interested to see where uh, this can go. Off to you in New York, Ben.
1: Yes, for me, this early in the year, for a team that's either playing above what I had expected or below what I had expected, I'm in the same boat as you. I kind of look at their goal differential because that's going to tell you a little bit of the story in such a small sample size. As the year continues on and continues on, uh, you can look at other advanced metrics to measure teams. But you look at the Winnipeg Jets, like you said, five and five, 10 points, they're in second place. They've also played the se- most games in that division. The minus five is telling you that that ship's going to kind of start crumbling down if they continue the way they're playing. Uh, for me, the big surprise team wise, because I didn't expect as much out of them as you did. The Edmonton Oilers, man, uh, I don't know if it's if it's system, but they're, it's not so much about Jai Stottle and McDavid. And, yes, Mike Smith and Goal is still a huge question mark that they're probably going to have to solve at some point before the deadline.
0: Wait, hold on one question. But they role player. Um, is that the well, Mike, Swit- Mike Smith from your superstar roller hockey league or no? <laughs> no, that, that's Mike Smythe.
1: So Smythe, um, all right. That's shout a Shout out to Smythe on that.
0: I'm sorry. Forgive me. Um,
1: <laughs> no, um It's the role players in that system have been stepping up. The Oilers came to New York. They played the Rangers. They beat the Rangers. Um, obviously, McDavid played well. Drysdale played well. Adrian Hopkins played well. But I was impressed with some of their role players. And a guy like Cassian coming in, who's not much as expected... Okay. A little bit overrated in my eyes, but he played well. So I'm if they can fix that goaltending situation or even make a move inside the organization to help solve that, I'm going to buy into them a little bit more. Uh, I think Dave Tippett's system is working well there. The other team surprise that I have is the Pittsburgh Penguins suffering those injuries right off the back to the start of the year. And they've pretty much held forth. And 6 3 and 12 points, they're... In second place, Tower Carolina in the Eastern in the Metropolitan Division, plus nine goal differential. So that's my team's surprise. There. I expected them to kind of tank once those injuries hit, and their uh, depth players, who I think aren't up to snuff, were going to get a little bit overexposed due to increased ice time. But at least so far, they've held forth there. And apparently, uh, Galchenyuk is... He hasn't joined them on their upcoming road trip, but he's not too far off from returning. So reinforcement there on the way. And the last positive surprise, our boy, Carter Hutton in Buffalo. Killer. He's currently leading the NHL in goals different in a save percentage, 953 save percentage, 5-0, 1.39 goals against average. Helping the Buffalo Savers to a first place start. 9-7-1-1 for 15 points. And an Eastern Conference leading plus 13. Goal differentials. So I expected some things out of Buffalo this year uh, with Ralph Kruger and some of the just young talent that they had taking that step forward. Was not expecting this hard of a start and definitely was not expecting such strong goaltending to start the year. So that's one, one surprise there. My disappointment, she touched on Dallas. They started so last year. They kind of turned it around uh, right after the trade deadline. I don't know if Montgomery... Is going to make it to his trade deadline if they're still scuffling like they were last year. Uh, there was a lot of pressure on that team. They turned around and made it to playoffs and had a nice little run. I don't know if he has that much leash to start this year, especially after some of the moves made in the offseason. So that's a situation to keep your eye on there. And lastly, the San Jose Sharks. I know they won two in a row after signing Patrick Marlowe, but they're still sitting tied for dead last in the Pacific Division, 3 5 0, minus 7 goal differential. They're three and five. Uh, they kick it off, and they just something seems off. And I don't know if it's the loss of Pavelski in a room, or and obviously with his contributions on the ice. I'm not sure what's going on there. Complacency, just maybe it's all the mileage on those core guys catching up to him from an, all those extra deep playoff series taking a toll a little bit. But to start of the year, I know Dallas had a lot of expectations, but that San Jose situation is the one that's kind of surprising me the most in a bad way.
0: Not surprising to me. Called that one too, pal.
1: can should it. Take him the title for me.
0: Well, I mean, we're only ten games in. We'll see what happens. Uh, one, uh, one more for you. Do you, are you surprised with Tampa's slow start? Four, three, and one, and only a plus two goal differential. I don't know. Surprise is the word. I'm just.
1: If I was in that boat, I would just feel like. Man, you lit the world on fire in the regular season last year. It got us nowhere in the playoffs. Obviously, we need to play better. Maybe they kind of overextended themselves to break some of those records, get the President's Trophy, uh, get the points going for Kucherov for uh, the 126 that he got. Maybe they're just trying to pace themselves to start the year. Everybody else is gunning for him. They know it's like, okay, Tampa Bay is in town. They're going to get the best from every team they play for a full 82, and that's even before the playoffs. I don't know if it's just anything to worry about or just guys just trying to find their mojo and rhythm and trying to save some some uh, energy once the playoffs and the playoff push kicks around.
0: Yeah, that that's a little scary to me, though, too. When you do something like this, I don't think it's as easy as people say is like an on-off button. I mean, obviously, if you catch fire at the yeah. right time, you can like roll right into the playoffs. But as for like an on-off button, that that's just – that, that's one thing that scares me because the, the NHL from game to game, you never know what you get. You never know what team's coming out. Some nights you have it, some nights you don't. And I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see what plays out there. Yeah. it'd be Do you think Coop can be in any trouble this
1: year? Even, let's say the scuffle and they make the playoffs, but they don't want a division. Is he in trouble in the off season?
0: With the lineup that they have, I say, yeah. and Okay. I love John Cooper, but if he loses that room, I think he's toast just because the talent that is there. Uh, what do you consider a disappointment for these guys? The, like Not winning the Stanley Cup would be a disappointment. It was a disappointment last year. I think on paper it's a disappointment this year. So, yeah, if they don't win, it's a fa- yeah, well, yeah, I, massive failure. I, yeah, I see it as a failure for them. So with that, I just think that If they're not able to win the Stanley Cup, you know, maybe they make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, they lose. Maybe they make it to the Stanley Cup final, they lose. But if they're blown out again in the first round, or if, you know, they had a tough seven game series they lose, or second round they lose, like I I do see some sort of changes coming. Well, we'll keep our
1: eye on that, just like we'll keep our eye in Minnesota, San Jose and Dallas, maybe some potential Coaching changes some sooner than others, uh, but we're going to move it over to our boys in Boston and New York now for Bruins and Rangers Week in Review.
0: <laughs> Kevin, take it away. How are you boys looking up there in the bean town? Well, bang, bang. Um... Uh, first and foremost, I want to apologize, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear any rattling or whatever with my microphone, I was mid-recording and the thing just kind of like fell off. So I'm just kind of holding it right now. It's just kind of dangling. So if you're hearing any noises... Um, I'm
1: sorry I'm an all-star announcer and your all-star announcing lead. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, so I, I apologize for that. Um, the Week in Review, it was one of those weeks where we end up losing to Tampa Bay in the shootout. We end up losing to Toronto in overtime. But... um we finally got some secondary scoring. Uh, you could see the relief from Jake DeBrusque and Charlie Coyle when they finally popped that goal in on Saturday night. The quiet man, the, the stoned assassin, Danton Heinen, finally comes in with, I mean, a beautiful goal Saturday night in Toronto. Outside of that, I mean, huge, two huge division points. If you can steal a point from Toronto and Tampa Bay, you're not going to hear me complaining. Uh, going the other way, that first line is still just phenomenal. David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, just absolutely filthy. Uh, David Pasternak leading the league with nine goals. I just, I can't say enough, man. That line, best deal in hockey, best line in hockey, in my opinion, not being a homer, just you look at it as a whole. I think you get everything with that line. You get the goal scoring from all three of them. You get that two-way center and patrice bergeron you get that rat and brad Marshan and you get the a hey, david Pest- hey, hey ref you missed some calls like you get it all and uh the only thing a little worrisome for me is we still see a whole lot of yaroslav halak Tuka i think still a little injured from that day from vegas when he ended up getting pulled at the end we'll see what happens i think now that we got some secondary scoring i believe that this should hopefully make this, ah, These next five games are crucial for us because I want to see if the secondary scoring can continue. And if it can continue, I think the league is in for a whole lot of trouble. If we kind of have to just have one good game and then we go right back to that first line, I still think that we're okay because they've done it so far. But if that first line gets lost, we are in for a world of hurt. So... Just, just want everybody else to pick it up. That's all we're looking for. And yeah,
1: DeBrusque had that pretty mess, slump to start the year. Um, do you think? So, as from my outside perspective, do you risk running? I know that your top line is the best, pretty much, probably the best line in hockey overall for their two way play and offense production, but. With the secondary scoring and the issues that you kind of figured you would have to start the year, do you run into the issue of being stale in terms of always keeping DeBrusque with Krejci, or at least for the majority of the time, instead of Cassidy kind of switching it up a little bit?
0: No, I mean, the Krejci injury is still hurting us right now. He still hasn't played yet this year. Allegedly, he's getting closer. But, I mean, Krejci's a driver on that line. Like, he drives that line to a new level. So... I don't think it's a bad thing having Coyle and DeBrus come together because Charlie Coyle's up at the end of this year. Is he going to re-sign here? Is he not? Mm -hmm. Do the Bruins have different plans? Maybe they try trading David Krejci and they keep Charlie Coyle instead? I mean, we'll see what happens. I'm just saying on the other end that when David Krejci comes back, I don't think there will be instant chemistry by any means, but there has been a chemistry there in the past, so I do think that It won't take long for it to come back together. Uh, I think a couple of games, as long as Krejci's up to game speed, and uh, he can find those seams. He's done it for years with whoever his wingers are. He finds seams. He gets guys the puck. And, I mean, last year with the Bruins, you heard all this nonsense about David Krejci, but, I mean, he was a legitimate silent assassin with all the amount of points that he had, and then you look at the points and go, oh, I didn't know Krejci had that many points. Yeah, he yeah. he gets it done no matter who the wingers are. I mean, obviously you would like a set winger with him and DeBrusk, but at the same time, if he can still get all that done with someone rotating on the right side, like what more can you ask for from a guy?
1: Yeah, maybe I'm just so used to David Quinn as my head coach now where he changes the lines about every two and a half seconds that I'm um, – I get nervous when I see Crazy and Debrus together for like more than five games in a row. <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, moving on to the, my boys in New York, uh, they are struggling. So they've lost four in a row now. They lost three in a row this week, five-two five to the Devils, which is the, I think the Devils' first win of the year. Uh, we lost five-two to the Capitals in Washington, and then we lost three-two to the Vancouver Canucks at home yesterday not much is going right for the team right now i mean we're still relatively healthy Uh, i mean three guys to stand out for the good play you have hank who basically saved our bacon against the canucks yesterday should have been at least six or seven nothing at the end of the second uh he kept it to three nothing he's had a little bit of a slow start to the year in terms of goals given up but if you look at uh the shot heat map that he's facing it's just very poor defensive structure and that's going to happen when you have a bunch of either young defensemen or offensive the mm-hmm. defensemen in front of him uh hayek has played well he's actually replaced Brady shea on the top pair and i'll get into shea in a little bit uh, but he's been playing majority majority of his time with jacob truba on the first pair and he's holding his own against team's top lines uh so that's very good development for us in new york obviously and Kako Kako with his first NHL goal against the Oilers uh, he, there's r- word that he's going to get moved up to the top line to play with Panarin and Sabanja, just because Bucinevic is back into Quinn's doghouse with his inconsistent play he had two really atrocious giveaways against the Canucks on Sunday uh, that led to a, a few extended scoring chances and then eventually Ranger penalties so he was moved back down to the third line and then to the fourth line at one point So we may see Kako finally take his spot on top of the first line and see if he can hold on to that. The bad, and I know there's a lot to pick apart here, so I'm going to try and keep it to about two or three things. I'm going to harp on Brady. I'm going to be on Brady's ass all year until he finally earns that fucking contract. He is, all year last year, to start start the year this year, he has been probably our worst defenseman. And that's worse than Mark Saul. That's worse. And tony d'angelo adam fox has outplayed him he's already moved down to the second pair and to be honest mark stall should be getting those minutes I, uh, i don't know what the issue was he had a very promising rookie year we gave him that long-term extension because we we're kind of banking on him to fill that left side on a top pair and once we traded for truba who he's played with he's friends with we figured all right this is it and he started the year just as poorly as he played last year so i don't know what the issue is there Maybe he isn't a top three four defenseman, and the Rangers overestimated what his potential was, which is kind of what we are talking about with the Nico Heischer contract. Um, so that's one big area of concern, because if you're banking on Mark Stahl and Hayek to be your, two of your top four defensemen, you're not going to be going far, at least this year. Um, the other thing is the coaching and pace of play. I know there's a lack of depth on the Rangers right now, especially in their forward group. But they are consistently getting outplayed, out-hustled, out-hit, out-adjusted in between periods. And that's a direct reflection on the coaching staff. So I know Quinney got basically a mulligan last year, being a sixth year in New York. But if you just start turning this around, I'm going to start questioning his long-term viability here as a head coach in the National Hockey League. Uh, and lastly, I said this just now, but depth. We have Michael Halley and Brendan Smith flanking Lee Anderson, the former 7th overall pick, and he's not going to be able to perform well there. See if the top top. can get up to New York better, because we need to help in the depth there. Uh, but yeah, so this upcoming week, we play all the next games. We only played two games this week, playing against Arizona Coyotes and Eastern Conference-leading Buffalo Sabres. So Quinney changed up the lines again in practice this week. So we'll see if that actually has an impact. But this is a very early inflection point for the Rangers here, uh, Kevin, because if they can lose the next two, now you've lost six in a row. You're playing Boston at home on Sunday, which could be a, a bloodbath. And then we host Tampa Bay. So if you don't get a win or two here against Arizona Buffalo, we could be looking at a eight-game losing a streak to start the year, and then it's Quinn on a hot seat.
0: Do you think part of the problem is David Quinn with all of his line changes? Do you think that that kind of takes effect on the team when, you know, just because something doesn't work in one shift, you know, you don't see instant gratification, instant satisfaction that you're just going to change stuff up. Do you think that takes a toll on the team, or what do you think one of the biggest underlying factors?
1: I mean, he's definitely not as bad as Torts was in New York with the line changes. Um, some of them are justified, like when he – Demoted Bucinovic down because of his poor uh, defensive play. So you're obviously not going to keep giving him nice time within that game. The issue is from game to game. So uh, he had Bucinovic playing with Sabanajad and Panarin. Then for a few, the first two games of the year. And granted, we haven't played many games. I think we played six. I think. Uh, three. Yeah, we played three games in the last like 18 days. So when you're playing that infrequently and then you give guys two periods they get things going and then you demote them and then the next game you're bumped off the line they were just on it's very difficult to build up that chemistry like you know and to build up any type of like team structure where you know okay i can rely on this guy to be here i know i can go there on uh, your defensive assignment so he's already had bucinevich with advantage. at, he's had chris Kreider playing his off wing. he's had kako on his playing the right side and now In practice today, he has Jesper Foss. He's our fourth-line. He's a very good fourth-liner. Now he's playing up there. So you have our two best forwards now playing on their fourth different winger, and we're entering our seventh game of the year. So it's a little bit of a tough situation to be in. Um, Strom's second-line center, fourth-line center, fourth-line wing. He's had Kreider on the first line, second line, third line. So I think because of the infrequent schedule, it's just kind of emphasized his line juggling. Uh, but now that we have three games this week, hopefully we get into some type of flow when it keeps the guys together.
0: Well, great news, too. I, I finally figured out my mic situation for now. So we're doing
1: <laughs> That was the most pressing issue here, more than what Quinny's doing.
0: And uh, how's Adam Fox holding up?
1: Adam Fox, he still hasn't found his stride much offensively in terms of point production, but this he is a puck possession machine. He's very good at skating a puck into the offensive zone from his own D end. Uh, he's very good at stick handling through traffic. He's good at keeping a puck in the blue line, and he's a little—he's a little bigger/slash sturdier than I was expecting uh, him coming out of college defensively. So the points will come. He gets power play time. I think they're going to be putting him onto the top power play unit uh, starting against Arizona. I'm just been very encouraged with how he his vision for the game and how he thinks the game. Because once those points come, it's just going to be kind of a very solid top four defenseman, kind of in the mold of uh, Justin Falk. All right. Yeah, so he's just straight from college coming to New York and playing top four minutes. He's played very well, I think, to start the year.
0: So a little bit of reassurance then.
1: Yeah, a little bit of the talent's there. So we'll see. At least Quinny keeps the defensive pairs together for the most part.
0: Well, remember, Brady Shea had talent too, so.
1: Ah, Dude, I don't know. I'm, and he is so he is so slow for a guy who has so much agility. It's a, like if you when you watch the game on Sunday against us, watch how Shea skates when he's either skating backwards or forward. He has like he, he didn't have this his rookie year, but he skates with like a slight hunch now. And I'm like, what do you? I don't get what happened to his game, man. He's kind of falling off a little bit, which makes me nervous because. We have the expansion draft coming up in two years and because of his contract we have to protect him. But because of the game's play, we're gonna to have to protect Fox and Hayek. And we still wanna need to protect two of us. So we're gonna to have to give up one of those guys unless we move like straight before then. So I know that's two years off, but that's what's in my mind and why I'm freaking out a little bit. Fair enough. <laughs> um all right. We're gonna to go to game of the week. And lock of the week. I tried to offer myself to the hockey gods by choosing Chicago over Washington after trying to sneak one into an easy pick the first week. They still smited me. I am 0-2. You lost, so at least I didn't fall two games behind here. But who do you got for game of the week and lock of the week?
0: All right, game of the week this week. I have Tuesday night, uh, Washington at Calgary. I think these are two teams that we could probably see in the final dance at the end. And uh, I mean, Calgary, a a little slow out of the gates, not like completely stumbling, but just a a little slow out of the gates, Washington at the top of that, uh, Metropolitan as we predicted. I think it's going to be a really good matchup for both teams. When I go to my lock of the week, maybe this could be bad for me because I remember you went for the layup in week one. Uh, i'm going thursday night i am going minnesota at nashville and i am taking the preds baby
1: all right uh hopefully the hockey guys do not look favorably upon you (laughs) uh (laughs) um so my my game of the week and lock the week lock of the week are both going to be next sunday october 27th i know you're going to be on a road so hopefully that gives me even extra juju to help me out (laughs) there uh Uh, But I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path for the game of the week. I know it's easy to watch Colorado, Tampa, Boston, Dallas, St. Louis, those teams week in and week out. But if you have the ability, if you have NHL center ice, or if you live in these areas, Florida at Edmonton, in Edmonton on Sunday, I think it's going to be a great game. Edmonton with the hot start. Florida with a lot of expectations. They've started to really play well. I know uh, off is hurt, but he's day-to-day. Hopefully he's back for that. So that's my game of the week pick. Just kind of two upstart teams. One is playing a little bit better than the other, but should be a good one on that very beautiful Edmonton ice. And my lock of the week pick, you know, I've gone easy. I've gone difficult. Neither of them have worked so far. So I'm going to go middle of the road here. I'm going to go on the road to Philadelphia Flyers over the New York Islanders at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum.
0: Should we do a double or nothing this week, and we'll throw in the Wednesday game Detroit at Ottawa? You know who I'm picking. I know who you're picking.
1: Oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah, let's do that because we have our ongoing bet here that we still need to figure out. Detroit-Ottawa is our specialty uh, double or nothing game.
0: Yeah, so that's a little in, so I like it.
1: All right. Um, all right, so moving on to today in NHL history. It's kind of a light day. In 1979, for October 21st, Phil Esposito of the New York Rangers joins Gordie Howes, the only players in NHL history up until that point, with 1,500 points in their career. The milestone comes when Esposito scores a power play goal in the first period during a Rangers 6-3 win against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And lastly, in 1997, Eric Lindros scores his 200th NHL goal and has four assists to help the Flyers to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 7-1. Lindros needed only 307 games to score 200 goals, the fifth fastest in NHL history behind Wayne Gretzky, Mike Bossy, Mariella Mew, and Brett Hull.
0: Who do you got for uh, shout-outs this
1: week? Shout-out First Lady. Uh, She's been kicking ass here in New York with job interviews and lining things up, so I'm very proud of her with that. And I'm actually going to give a very special Boston Bruins shout-out here. I don't know if we really covered it as much as it deserves in this episode so far, but shout out to two U's, two K's, Tuka Rask. This Tuesday will be his 500th NHL game. Huge milestone for goaltenders. It's going to be the first ever for Boston Bruins history where has played 500 games with them. And he's going to be the 27th ever to do it with one team in NHL history. So shout out to Tuka.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for that. I didn't know if we were going to get that or not, but, um, Shoutouts this week, huh? It's been a quiet week. Big red, the apple of my eye, uh, getting ready to hit the road. So uh, we'll see what happens as to uh, next week's recording, or or if we push it a week, we'll, we'll see what's going on with all that. Uh, I got nothing this week. I, don't, I don't know I'm a little bit lame, a little bit limp. Uh, just big red. Well, I got a question. All right, all right on on
1: this upcoming trip. I don't know how much detail you want to go into, but what are you who are you more concerned about in public? Cam or the little one? Uh
0: see, it's it's two different <laughs> it's two different beasts. Like she's relentless. Like she's non-stop. She she doesn't give up. She don't give a shit. She don't take shit. So, I think the biggest thing with her is going to be keeping her entertained. Cam is fine for the most part, but when he gets a little cranky and a little whiny, like he needs a nap but he won't take one, that's when like the wild card and you just don't know what's <laughs> coming out of him. So, unfortunately, it's good and bad because I think where we're going, there's going to be a lot of on-the-go, but I also think their minds will be very much into it. So I'm hoping that that will keep them both grounded and you know kind of focused on the task at hand. But we'll see. I mean, it's going to be very, very interesting. It's going to be a long week. It's going to be a long week.
1: I thought. See, I thought you were going to back. Like, the correct answer. Is red?
0: <laughs> oh well, the, like God bless her because she's not only does she have to deal with the kids, she has to deal with me. So it, it, she's going to have the longest week out of anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, yeah, so that's it for me this week. A quiet
1: week on this end as well. Uh, the Rangers will finally get into more games here, ending with probably a bloodbath at the Garden against your Boston Bruins on Sunday. So I should have a little bit more to say about the Rangers there. But I, you know what? I'm just looking forward to the season finally kicking off for my boys playing more consistent games. And also, we're coming up to November, buddy. We're getting close. Christmas holiday coming up.
0: I am very excited. Thanksgiving is almost here. It's, it's going to be like fast forward next week. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens with our boys this Sunday. I'm a little upset that my, my trip will not be in New York watching to get there with you, but we'll, we'll work on that. As always, thank you everybody for listening. We will try to come back to you guys next week with another jam-packed episode. Benny, I know I'm going to be away, but I mean, just to let you know, I took my heartache medication. Draw.